0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I don't know why I went NPR voice there. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the 49ers, Candlestick Chronicles. Anyways, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we are previewing the 49ers and Seahawks game. We've got Danny Kelly from The Ringer. He does a ton of draft coverage for The Ringer. He's been on our podcast before talking draft. uh, He's the co-host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Tons of good content there, so make sure to check that out. He's also a Seahawks watcher, Seahawks fan. He's up there in the Pacific Northwest and follows along with them. So smart football guy, had him on talking Seahawks, really good conversation with him. And then after that, we will get into the 49ers related content from Seth Wickersham's book, It's Better to Be Feared, and the stuff in there about Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers pursuit of Tom Brady or Tom Brady's pursuit of the 49ers, depending on which way you want to look at it. And we will do our picks for this week in our in our draft. We need to find a name for that segment where we each draft three 49ers that we think are going to play well in Sunday's game. So let's get into it.
0: Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
2: Second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers.
1: All right, Danny Kelly's here from the Ringer, covers the NFL for the Ringer. He does draft stuff. He does fantasy football stuff, and he is in Seahawks aficionado is that too strong or too weak not strong enough <laughs> i think
3: it's too strong it's too strong connoisseur maybe a former aficionado in seahawks yeah
1: <laughs> just Danny, now buddy, i just dabble now i dabble yeah <laughs> just uh um just uh what's the word i'm looking for chris bail me out.
4: All right, so are you at all like are you moving away from aficionado status because you're mad at the team? Is that, <laughs> apparently, that's a thing. Like, like, Seahawks fans get pretty mad at yeah. what happens w- with that team right now.
3: Yeah, I think it's funny. It, I think that's part of it. The Seahawks are a frustrating team because they're really good. And also, they just piss you off like every year for some reason. It's just like the most – it's a dichotomy. It's like it doesn't make any sense because um, we should just – you know, adore Pete Carroll and the Seahawks in general as a fandom, as a fan uh, group, but he, I think definitely is on some people's, you know, like bad list or whatever this year. And, and just generally speaking over the last few years and people just get really frustrated with the Seahawks, even though they win like 10 games every year. So um, I understand sort of like outsider's perspective. It's like, at least you have a good team, but at the same time, they're also a very frustrating team to root for, so it's it's one of those things.
1: It feels like they should perpetually be like thirty percent better than they are.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Like that's <laughs> that's exactly whoop. kind of what we're going for here. It's like Pete Carroll provides a floor, and that floor is a track. Like that's a great floor. Like it's great. Like we we don't have to probably suffer. Generally speaking, you don't have to suffer through like five, six win seasons, all that stuff, but also. People believe, and I don't know if I would buy it a hundred percent because I just think it's hard to win in the playoffs. But like he also kind of like institutes a ceiling sometimes with like how good this team can be. So um, I don't know if that's true because I just think generally speaking, it's really hard to get to the Super Bowl. Um, but I, people are certainly disappointed that you know they haven't made it back since um, the days when they were like an elite NFL team. So um, I kind of understand both sides. So the.
4: The, the Seahawks won the NFC West last year. They went 12-4, and four, and you look at the moves they did in the offseason, it looked like they they improved up front defensively. Um, I, they, they probably didn't completely answer their questions at cornerback. They bring in Shane Waldron to run sort of that Kyle Shanahan-type uh, offense,
3: mm-hmm. and
4: that would lead you to believe that the Seahawks should be better, right? That, that sh- they should potentially solve whatever – issues they have with Russell Wilson and the offense and the running game and all of those things, but they're one and two and the defense yeah. hasn't looked particularly good. And Kirk cousins completed almost 80% of his passes last week and was just finding open guys all over the field. Yeah. So what's, what's the real version of the Seahawks in your opinion, the one that won the, won the division last year and should be getting better or is it just a team that's going to underperform um, like it, like it might, like it has in the last two weeks.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think... So so the Seahawks probably should have beaten the Titans in week two. They let that one slip through their fingers more or less. And a a lot of it had to do with like just defense not um, getting the job done. The Seahawks, I think, scored 30 points in that game. So it's like you generally want to win when you score 30-something points. Um, The the offense fell apart a little bit in the second half of this last game. uh, But overall, I would say the Seahawks are a good offense. Like, I think if they embrace the fact that they're going to win when their offense is clicking their offense is rolling um i think that's kind of like who they need to be like it you know and definitely i'm not like comparing wilson to mahomes but i think that the chiefs are definitely a team that's top heavy in talent they have some elite talent in the offense they have like one elite defender or two maybe depending on like who, who you think is an elite player on that defense and then they rely on those guys kind of like carry them to wins. Like Mahomes is going to carry the chiefs to 10 plus 13, maybe wins or whatever. Um, and I think Russell Wilson's good enough to carry the Seahawks to 10 plus wins if they embrace that. But the problem is the chiefs embrace who they are. The Seahawks are trying to be this balanced depend on our defense or defense is going to help us get, get it done, close out games. P. Carroll. And this has been a common critique, I think for years for the Seahawks is like, he's trying to coach a team he wants to have versus the team he actually has. Um, And I think he still believes in his defense. He still believes that they can, you know, once they get a seven point lead, then they're good. Like, you know, they can just like take their foot off the gas and and finish the game out and all that. Um, So, so I think that's kind of a problem is they don't really know. I don't think, Pete Carroll, generally speaking, understands like, or from my perspective, he doesn't understand like who they need to be. I think obviously he believes that he's doing it the correct way, but um, you know, I think just generally speaking, their defense is not very good. It's not very talented. You mentioned the cornerback situation in the intro. And and yeah, like if anything, they created more question marks at corner than they did. And then they came into the offseason with, and, and the cornerback situation hasn't been good so far. Um, you know, the defensive line, which I was pretty bullish on coming into the season, hasn't been good, at least not the last two games. They're not good tackling team. Um, I wouldn't say they're especially like fast team and and this team, which over the years and you guys remember during the heyday of the Seahawks um, 49ers rivalry, like both of these teams had incredibly, incredibly disciplined, like. Star power defenses where everyone's doing their job, and it's like you can't move the ball on these teams. Like now, the Seahawks defense is very undisciplined. It, last week against the uh, the Vikings, guys were just like running open. You mentioned this, like running wide open. It's like Justin Jefferson wide open in the middle of the field. You might want to guard that guy, right? Like he might be someone that you make a focal point of your game plan. And everything is too easy. Everything's too soft. They're not a good tackling team. They're not good at getting off blocks. They get beat to the outside. Like, they don't set the edge. It, it's just incredibly frustrating to watch for, the C, like, what you're used to with the Seahawks' defense. So, um, anyways, I'm rambling. Long story short, I think the Seahawks need to embrace that they're going to win when Russell Wilson's cooking and, you know, just go from there.
1: What did they do well defensively? Because, like, receivers running open, we saw that with the Niners and Devontae Adams against Green Bay. Like, they just didn't, they just didn't cover them on two consecutive plays at yeah. the end of the game. Um, but there are things about the 49ers defense where it's like, okay, well, Fred Warner's a really good player. Their linebackers can cover. They can get after the quarterback a little bit. What does the Seahawks defense do well?
3: That the last two weeks, nothing really, honestly. In the week one, I was pretty bullish on their pass rush. And it turns out maybe that's just Carson Wentz hold the to football too long, <laughs> which has been a thing that's happened for years now. But like, honestly, I think they have some, they have some interesting guys on their defensive line. Um, you know, I think Rasheem green has the potential to take a jump if he can really get it, put it all together. Daryl Taylor. I think he's flashed. This is a rookie from last year. He didn't play at all last year because he had a knee or a leg issue or something. Um, but he's flashed at times on tape. And I think he's got explosiveness Alton Robinson. There's, there's definitely some guys like Benson Mayo. Um, there's some guys on their defensive line that I think if everything kind of falls together, that could be a strength for them. Um, but I mean, other than that, like their secondary is just not good. Honestly, it's just not very good. And even like Jamal Adams, who's like their big ticket guy, their big, you know, the big draw, I don't think he's really, you know, done, uh, done enough to like change their defense or like make the impact that I think they wanted him to make. He's a good player. Of course, I don't think he's a bad player. Um, And he's, and he's bound to make splash plays, but he's also, you know, he's bound to make a few head scratching plays also. And so, I don't know, I, you know, their defense is just, I, I watched it this last week and I was pretty demoralized as like, I, I don't really know exactly how this team is going to kind of get it together on the side of the ball. Best thing that they can do, I think is become more disciplined and learn, I guess, learn their roles in this, in the system more, because way too many times we saw this like a ton of times last week, guys are yelling at each other. Like somebody messed up the coverage, you know, or someone didn't understand what they're supposed to do. So that to me, that's like, yikes, that's not good.
4: Yeah, speaking of that, the, the postgame quotes didn't sound great, particularly from Trey Flowers in the secondary and for yeah. 49er DJ Reed blaming the coaches. So do you do you view this as like a hiccup and something they can get over and, and snap back and, and come out with a better defensive performance on Sunday? Or is it something that there might be some deep rooted issues that are going to linger for kind of a long time on the defensive side?
3: Yeah, I, I tend to lean towards the latter and that it's a deep-rooted issue. I think just, there's just a lack of talent at corner, you know. Um, and, and I think what Flowers was talking about, and DJ Reed came out, I think, afterwards and said, you know, we just got schemed up. They schemed us up. And, there, and I think a good example of that was, and this happened a few times, was the CX would play clearly what is a zone coverage look off zone. And the Vikings would run a zone flood and easily complete it for a first down this happened like several times during the game it's like this is just too easy like this is elementary stuff that they're doing and like the cx are playing off coverage like nine yards on a third and four and they're just throwing it to the sticks and getting a first down and so like as a as an outsider looking in i'm just like i don't know like what are you, what what are they doing here i don't know what the plan is i don't know why they're doing that i well i do know why they're doing that because Pete carroll doesn't want to get beat deep um And essentially he's saying, look, we're going to make you guys string together 11, 12 play drives and you score that way versus like giving up the big play. But like the problem is they're giving up 11, 12 play drives. And then the Seahawks have three possessions in the second half last week. So um, I I don't know what the quick fix is. You know, they're not going to change their scheme. Pete Carroll's been running it since the early 19th century. And so, (laughs) you know, I, I don't know if that's going to change. And I think there's probably I'm sure there's little tweaks they can do here and there maybe they'll play more press or something like that like that might be something they could do um but by and large it's going to stay the same i think the one thing that and i mentioned this before is i think they can just get better at like executing the scheme because last week they just didn't execute it at all even like it, you could say there's a bad scheme but they also were like messing up the scheme so um that's like i guess my main thing and then i think also just continuing to understand and, and figure out the best way to utilize Jamal Adams because I think he is a talented player. He's a dynamic player. He plays with incredible energy um, and, you know, athleticism and all that. So like, he could be a bigger impact player, I think going forward. And, and that could kind of help change things just help also like to face worst quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, like Tannehill's good. Fair. Kirk cousins is balling out of his mind right now. Um, so I'm hoping Jimmy G will be the antidote for that.
1: He might be He, he might. really, really might be. <laughs> um, so so I want to talk about the other side of the ball because you talked about at some point they need to realize that maybe their best course of action to win is just kind of hey let Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Chris Carson, yeah, uh, just go score forty points. Is are they capable of that? Like, did they do enough on the offensive line this off season? Is like where where does this offense stand through yeah. three weeks?
3: I mean, I think the offense could be really good, honestly. And, and you know, there are opponent adjustments that need to go into this. And obviously there's some nuances to everything, every stat, you know, it can be misconstrued, but through three weeks, the Seahawks are number two in, in, in offensive DVOA. They're putting up points. They're moving the ball. If you want to quibble, they haven't been moving the ball as well in the second half uh, of games. So that's definitely some, that's a concern. Um, but overall, like, I think I really like the scheme. It's basically what we see the Rams running. You know, it's a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of misdirection, a lot of play action. Um, and also it's pretty balanced. It's not the same let Russ cook offense that we saw last year with Schottenheimer. It's pretty balanced. They're, they're running at a higher rate, but they're running well. Kirk, uh, sorry, not Kirk, but uh, Chris Carson has been looking pretty strong so far. Um, I I really, really like the scheme. I think Russell Wilson's a good fit for it. And that helps them get like these deep shots, you know, like it, it, it basically makes them much more dynamic. And last year I felt like they were kind of a static offense. Like you knew what they were going to do. They were either going to throw it deep yeah. or whatever, run the ball. Now it's like, they got all these inter- intermediate short stuff that they can do. They're getting the screen game going, which is like a complete foreign feeling for me because the Seahawks have sucked at screens for so long. <laughs> I don't know why it drives me insane, but they've gotten a few more good screens here and there. So I think this offense could be really good. I mean, we saw it last year. We saw what Russell Wilson could do last year. see so, you know, what, really what he's done his whole career, been a very, very efficient quarterback. Um, but I, I think it's, it's number one embracing the fact that this is like how you're going to win games, which I don't know if that will happen. It probably won't happen. Um, and, you know, I saw something from Pat Thorman from established to run was talking about this in his article yesterday Pete Carroll seems to have already lost his nerve in terms of like the up-tempo stuff that they'd been talking about all offseason. Anytime you talk to a Seahawks player during the offseason, what do you, th- what do you like about this new offense? What do you think of Shane Waldron? Oh, we're running tons of up-tempo stuff, up-tempo, no huddle, blah, blah, blah. We're going to really just like, you know, knock people back and get them on the ropes, blah, blah, blah. We're going to run fast, all this stuff. They were pretty up-tempo week one, slowed down in week two. And then they went to a crawl in week three Pete Carroll seems to have lost his nerve. And this is what Pat Thorman wrote. I'm, I'm quoting him. He seems to have lost his nerve on like that tempo stuff. And we saw like last year, they kind of switched courses midway through the season when things went awry. So I really don't know if they're, what they're going to do offensively. I, I think they have the capability. I think the scheme is great. I think that Waldron so far so good. I mean, the second half stuff is, is a concern. So like we have to see if the Seahawks offense can, can get better in the second half of the games but they've come out swinging in in all three games and and i think i saw they had th- they've scored three out of their first four possessions in all three of their games so far and then things kind of tail off so um clearly he can he can put together like a good opening script we got to see if he can and keep it going in the second halves and stuff but i mean i do think that this is a team that could score 30 points a game any any given week um and that could be good enough to get them some wins so you
4: Aside from from being a, a Seahawks watcher from afar, I guess you're you're also you you also watch the NFL as a whole. But mm-hmm. um, I'm curious how you feel about the NFC West <clears throat> through three weeks and, and sort of the pecking order. Obviously, it seems like the Rams are are clear in a way that the top team in, in the division Cardinals are undefeated and they look like they have a really high ceiling. Yeah, but it also feels a little bit difficult to trust them over the long haul, given their coaching situation and maybe older guys that they're relying on pretty heavily. Um, just where, where do you view sort of the hierarchy of, of the NFC West, maybe outside the Rams? Cause I think it's pretty clear that the consensus best team, how do you think the Seahawks, the Cardinals and the 49ers sort of uh, match up or, or, or I guess what's the pecking order in your mind early yeah. based on what you've seen early in the season?
3: So, Generally, with if you're comparing the 49ers to the Cardinals, because I think it would go right now just based on what we've seen in the first few games, I'd say the Cardinals have a slight edge. I think, honestly, for me, it comes down to I'd rather have Kyler. Like, If if I was going into a game, I'd rather have Kyler Murray and the Cardinals' offense to bet on than the 49ers as a whole. However, I think the 49ers are probably a better team, more balanced team. Um, They're certainly more... I, like they've been there kind of deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Cardinals still, it's like, like you mentioned, it's like hard to know, like you want to believe it or not. Cliff Kingsbury is kind of a, a weirdo. And I, I don't really know if I like trust really what he's doing. Um, but Shanahan's kind of a weirdo too. So <laughs> like, Especially I don't know. Especially
4: this year. It's yeah. Been, it's been weird so far. Yeah. I like the, that, yeah, it's
3: been I, weird. I've been, I've long been sort of like a staunch defender of, of Shanahan. Like his scheme is so good. And I still believe that. However, like some of the stuff that he's doing, like personnel wise and, you know, I'm a fantasy guy. So, like, it pisses me off when he's like benching Ayuk and like Sermon is a healthy and active like week one. It's like, what what are you doing? Like, just play your best players. Stop doing this weird motivational crap. You know what I mean? And obviously, this is me talking from an outside perspective. I don't know what's actually happening inside the the building, but
4: that sounds about um, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're too far off base. I'm there. But it's like he's
3: his gonna... history, I think, has been littered with guys that just like he's like, ah, I'm done with you. Like, I don't want it. you're you're done. Like, you know, if you do this, you get my doghouse, you gotta be like ridiculously good to get out of it, or else we're just gonna move on. Um, I think with Pettis, like it bore out that he just wasn't very good, but he like stinks. Yeah, but like I think there's other examples in the past and whatever. So um <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked. We've got a bunch of weirdo coaches in the, in the <laughs> NFC West because Pete Carroll's a weirdo too. Maybe McVay John is the most McVay normal guy. Maniac. He's he's the most normal though, isn't he? Like he's a, he's a maniac, but at least his like strategy seems pretty pretty logical. Um, but then again, they've traded like you know the next ten years worth of draft picks, and they're really just going for it. So um, it's a, it's a fascinating division on the whole. I think it's probably clearly the best division in the NFL. Um, I'm pretty. It, it's crazy to say, honestly, the Seahawks are clearly the worst team so far. Um, and coming into the season, I would not have said that. I, I would not have guessed that. So um, I think anything can happen going forward. The Seahawks have the 49ers and then the Rams next, I believe. And if they start out one and four, whew, that's going to be tough to come back from that. So, yeah. yeah, Niners have Seahawks
4: and then Cardinals over the next two weeks. So pretty, pretty big weeks. Yeah, for the NFC West.
3: this is going to be very interesting. But um, I would say overall Cardinals are sort of like this buzzsaw offense. So I like that the 49ers are probably the second best team overall, I would say. And if they get Trey Lance, I don't know, honestly, like I don't know if they'd be better with Trey Lance, they'd be scarier to me as a Seahawks fan. If they had Trey Lance, I don't know if that's maybe the barometer that you use as a head coach, but no one really is scared of Jimmy Garoppolo, frankly. And so, um, that to me, like, if you get Trey Lance going in and he's like as good as advertised, it's like that seems kind of scary uh, for NFL defenses in general. Um, it's like he could play more than three snaps. So yeah,
1: maybe not, he could yeah.
3: play ten. That's kind of what what. It, like he, every time he comes in, it's like a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, I know <laughs> that they're using him on touchdown plays, but like, still, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I would put it that way. But um, bottom line is, yeah, I think it's it's Rams and then lately like really close. It's it's Cardinals, 49ers and Seahawks need to get their crap together. Who
1: wins on Sunday between the 49ers and Seahawks? Don't just pick a random game.
3: I think the 49ers are going to win. Um, is it in? Is it it's in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Santa everybody. Yeah. I mean, I guess it
3: doesn't really matter. The Seahawks', the Seahawks home field advantage is eroded over the last few years. It's 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 very interesting. They they aren't a very good home team anymore, or at least like certainly not relative to how they used to be. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I think I think that Shanahan's going to have his way with the Seahawks defense. I I have very little confidence in the Seahawks defense right now, um, and unless. Pete Carroll sort of just like says, Hey, we're going to have as many, we're going to let our offense go. We're going to try and get as many possessions as possible. Um, really just try and outscore the team, come out basically like shock and awe. Um, then if he does that, then I think it's going to be a good game. I think the Seahawks can win it. But otherwise I think if, if they kind of do like status quo stuff, it's they're going to lose, but NFC West games are always so weird. It's always like impossible yeah. to predict these things. You know, I, uh, the best team doesn't always win. You know. So, so out, your
1: prediction is. So your prediction is. I
4: don't
3: know. No, my prediction is 49ers, but also <laughs> acknowledging that it's a fruitless endeavor to try and guess what's going to sure. happen. Yeah. In I, the I NFC West.
4: We're, I think we're the 49ers gonna die should win. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: I, I think the 49ers should win, but I think yeah. the biggest mismatch on the field is going to be DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett against the Niners' the cornerbacks.
3: Well, Lockett has a knee injury. Um, I don't know how serious it is. He but was it,
4: limited it, yesterday.
3: Yeah. We're recording this oh. on Thursday. We haven't gotten the uh, the practice report yet for
4: Thursday, but he was limited.
3: I want to say that 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 I wouldn't that I'm not worried. I would like to say that I'm not worried about Lockett, uh, but I am because generally in his career, when he's played through injuries, his performance is like falls off a cliff. Um mm. he's not like one of those guys, it's like DeAndre Hopkins where he's on the injury report. 75 percent of the season and just balls out anyways like if he's right. hurt they they tend to utilize him as sort of like a decoy and his, and his production falls off a cliff so um hopefully that's different hopefully he's fine but um it looked pretty bad like people thought his season was over for a good 15 minutes there and then he came back into the game and was like oh i guess he's okay well, that's good news for seattle yeah all right danny thank you so much uh you want to
4: plug <laughs> your stuff before we get out of here
3: yeah. So follow me on uh, Twitter at Danny V Kelly. Uh, follow the Ringer fantasy football show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also a guest sometimes on the Ringer NFL show. Um, and then, yeah, just the ringer.com in general.
4: Great stuff all around. We love having you. Always on, good. man. Thank you so much. Your work is awesome. And uh, hopefully we'll, we can do this again sometime soon.
3: Yeah. Thanks guys. I appreciate it real quick before we end. Who's yeah. gonna, who, who do I start? this week in the 49ers backfield what do i do here
4: so did everybody like last elijah week Elijah mitchell <laughs> yeah i think i think elijah mitchell the funny thing is the 49ers have scored 11 touchdowns this year all by 11 different people
3: i know it, just kill me <laughs> just kill me
4: now i think right.
1: i think i think george kittle gets in this week though
4: yeah all right i'm yeah, holding I'm you to that not a touchdown yet uh, i think elijah mitchell is going to play he returned to practice this week
3: um, okay so i'm sitting sermon time. down yeah
4: yeah and i will probably sit sermon
1: I just don't think Sermon can run outside zone stuff effectively, and Mitchell can. Hmm. Like he's yeah.
3: he's yeah.
4: fast enough to do that. And he's, so I he's think like the mostert guy. guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think I think you know Samuel and Ayuk and are probably fine to to start from here on out. Both of yeah. Yeah. Iuke no more pretty, shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. No more. I don't think there's any shenanigans with Ayuk anymore. And <laughs> Kittle's not practicing, but he should play. Um, right. So yeah, I think all the skill guys were should be. uh,
3: should be good to go for that. Cool. I've
1: dropped, I've dropped Trent Sherfield in all my league. <laughs> <laughs> Me
3: too. <Yeah. laughs> that was a fun two weeks. Yeah. All right. Was Danny it?
4: Kelly. Oh, you got you got one more call? Nope. I'm out. Okay. Danny Kelly, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks <laughs> See
1: you guys. 49ers football is finally back. Not just on the road, they had a home game, electric atmosphere is unbelievable. Well, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore, y'all. Because Tick Pick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See what Tick Pick did is they got rid of all those like service fees and all that stuff that you buy your ticket for X price, and then you see it's twice that when you go to check out. They got rid of all those fees. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe me, you can fi- if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So the 49ers had their home opener against Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. It was incredible. Loved the atmosphere. The atmosphere might be even better in week four when they host the Seattle Seahawks at Levi Stadium. You need to be there, and TickPick has you covered. Can't wait to be out at that Seahawks game. We had some people, uh, Chris, on Twitter that hit us up and said they used tick TickPick to get out to the, the Niners-Packers game. There's some people that are going to games on the road. TickPick works, and it's the cheapest way to get your NFL tickets. Visit TickPick.com Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order
4: of 49ers tickets. Can I name drop uh, uh, a prominent Bay Area media member who hit me up asking for uh, for a plug on tickets? And I sent him TickPick. Please. Marcus Thompson. MT, my guy. MT. Yeah, he uh, he used it. He was thrilled. He came up and thanked me in the press box yesterday. He was like, dude, that was that was clutch. So, yeah, if if it works for Marcus, it'll work. It'll work for you for sure.
1: And Marcus Thompson is not the kind of guy that, like, if it didn't work, he wouldn't come up and just BS Chris. He would just ignore him. Yeah. So,
4: or he would be like, you know. what the hell, dude?
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Very good.
4: <laughs> Tick pick.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: DK is one of those people that I just really enjoy talking football with.
0: Yeah,
4: he he lives and breeds it, you can yeah. tell. Like yeah. he's he works super hard. He churns out a ton of content, whether it's written or in podcast form, and like he's just a pro. He's really good. And I enjoy his Seahawks analysis because you can tell he like he's passionate about it because he is a he is a fan or was a fan.
1: I have I have Several friends, you know, internet friends and media that like if I was in their city, I would probably not reach out. Yeah. But if I'm ever in Seattle, I'm hitting DKF because he just he's the best, big fan. So let's get into some Niner stuff. And there was Seth Wickersham wrote a book, It's Better to Be Feared. It's about the Patriots, but because of Jimmy Garoppolo and then Tom Brady wanting to play for the 49ers when he was a free agent a couple off seasons ago, the 49ers and Patriots are going to kind of be linked for the foreseeable future when it right. comes to their quarterback and how the Jimmy Garoppolo thing ultimately ends. So there was some, some new and the not new stuff in the Wickersham book. So the not new stuff to me was, Tom Brady wanting to play for the 49ers that had gotten reported during the ninth 2020 off season. Right. But there was some other new stuff in there about the 49ers coaching staff and what they ultimately felt about Jimmy Garoppolo. That was kind of interesting.
4: Yeah. So I, I, I think it's an interesting talking point given the context of what's happening in the season and and sort of the discussion around Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Um, and, you know, I, I think the facts we, we know that the 49ers after last season, when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt for the second time in three years that they had doubts. Right. But we didn't really know how much they doubted Jimmy Garoppolo after the Super Bowl run in 2019. So there's a passage uh, from the Wickersham book that uh, I'm reading this out of the San Francisco Chronicle. Our buddy, Eric Branch, friend of the pot, um, wrote, wrote a story about this and, and he quotes the book. And, and so I'll read it. Um, The 49ers coaching staff had quiet doubts about Garoppolo even before the Super Bowl, feeling that it took an inordinate amount of energy to get his head ready for game day and that he perhaps lacked Brady's extreme drive for excellence. Wickersham wrote some in the building felt that Shanahan was too hard on Garoppolo, causing him to play tentatively. The coaches liked Garoppolo personally. So did his teammates enough to elect him captain, but Shanahan was open to the idea of an upgrade. So, and that's the passage. So in the, in the context of the 2021 off season, this isn't a surprise because now we know the 49ers invested three picks in Trey Lance, uh, three first round picks in Trey Lance. They kicked the tires on the Matt Stafford situation. They were interested in potentially trading for Deshaun Watson. Had that been a tenable situation? Um, so this sort of confirms what we already know, but it, what, what's new about it is it adds a layer of timing to it. Like they had concerns after the Super Bowl about Garoppolo and about just his play, not his injury status um, and, and durability concerns, right? Because that's what Kyle Shanahan's selling or been sure. selling publicly is that, well, you know, we, we like Jimmy. We think we can win with Jimmy, but ultimately we need a better option in case he gets hurt. Which is just the, the case that Shanahan's made publicly. And so, you know, I, I there's there's been some sort of pu- some pushback on on Twitter about, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo criticism saying, you know, this is a guy who helped the 49ers take the late lead after giving up uh, after being down 17 points, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, look, like Kyle Shanahan is really leading the charge on like the Jimmy Garoppolo, quote unquote, hate or, like, the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be replaced because he did invest three first-round picks in Trey Lance right. after kicking the tires on all these guys. And now we know he was interested in potentially upgrading from Jimmy Garoppolo after 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl and were a quarter away from winning it. Um, so, to me, like, the, the it, it's very clear where this is at in Kyle Shanahan's mind. What's less clear now is where Trey Lance fits in this conversation in terms of when's Trey Lance going to play? When's he going to take over? Mm -hmm. And Wednesday this week was a very interesting day in terms of Kyle Shanahan's availability in his press conference and what he said, Mm -hmm. because it was in stark contrast to his his approach or his perceived approach to the quarterback situation leading into the season and after the Raiders preseason finale. Right. so I think that's what we're talking about. I know you had a had a Jimmy Garoppolo qu- or quarterback conversation take that you wanted to that you wanted to talk about before we started.
1: Yeah. So two things. One, it's important when talking about the Tom Brady stuff, and I don't want to dive super deep into it, but it's important to n- try not to look at it with the benefit of hindsight. Sure. And going into that offseason, the Forty Nine ers were coming off a Super Bowl appearance. It was pretty – it was clear that, like, Garoppolo wasn't going to be the long-term answer playing the way he played in 2019. There was going to need to be a jump. And there were still some questions about, you know, oh, okay, maybe he hasn't hit a ceiling yet. Maybe there's another level he can get to. And Tom Brady was 42 years old. I think 41 turning 42, whatever it was.
4: He's 15 years older than Garoppolo.
1: Right. And so there was a question – of like, hey, can he play at a high level? Remember, he was coming off a terrible year with the Patriots. I said terrible, relatively terrible, where his their season ends against the Titans at home in a playoff game where he throws a pick six to end the game. And, you know, there were questions about can he bounce back and play better? And if he does bounce back, is it going to be better than whatever Garoppolo is going to be? There were a lot of questions. And sure, there were people that said if he can get the goat, go get him. But I don't think it was that obvious. It is now because Tom Brady had one of the best seasons
4: of his career last year and won a Super Bowl but I think that's just the record like I was very much in like no keep Garoppolo I was as well like he can get better wrong by the way what's that (laughs) said I was wrong on that by the way yeah I was wrong on that too
1: (laughs) so so I just I I just a lot of the conversation today I just I, I felt like that needs to be that needs to be said sure because at the time it wasn't it wasn't a slam dunk, you know, objectively, unless you were looking at it like Tom Brady's a GOAT, you'd want him on your team. That's something. So what I want to talk about with Garoppolo and kind of the discourse around his status as the starter, because the week, this week after the Green Bay game, there were a lot of questions about why isn't, you know, maybe they should start Trey Lance, because if you look at what happened, the way they started in week two and how slow they started there, they put up 17 points. And then how slow they started against Green Bay, where their first score was really facilitated by a long kick return by Trent McCann. So the questions have, especially, I do sports talk radio in the Bay Area. I don't know if I've ever talked about that before, but there were so many people. We did it, we ran a poll, and more than almost 700 people voted. And it was 60 40 people that wanted to see Trey Lance start. And I think that it's important to remember that like the 49ers knew what they were getting into with Jimmy Garoppolo. They knew that they were going to get games like the one in Philly. And then the one against green Bay where their offense is going to stagnate a little bit because he can't consistently be a high caliber quarterback. He gets there. Sometimes the highs are, are really high, but the lows are really low. And the 49ers knew that when they went into this season with him as the starter, And so unless they lose three or four games in a row, I don't think that they're ever going to really give any serious consideration to removing Garoppolo from the starting job. And I don't think they're going to lose three or four in a row because he's not, while he's not consistently good enough to be a franchise quarterback, he's also not consistently bad enough where they're going to lose that many games in a row. So I think if there's this pipe dream of the 49ers are just waiting for the right time to insert Lance, I don't think that's right. Because if that was the case, I and insert him as the starter i we talked about it last last podcast. I, I think he needs to play more, yeah. but inserting him as the starter, I just don't think that's going to happen this year unless Garoppolo hits a gets hurt or hits a valley, an extended valley that we've just never seen from him so That's that's one of the things I think that gets lost is the 49ers didn't go into this year thinking like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play like an MVP like no, they probably were thinking he was going
4: to play right about how he's playing. Sure. So I agree with you. And I think ultimately, Jimmy Garoppolo is a confounding player, right? Like he's he's so polarizing because sometimes it's really good, right? Like the late in the fourth quarter against the Packers. It was really good. He did put the 49ers in position to win that game. He did. But before that, earlier in the fourth quarter, he also had a super boneheaded play uh, where he threw the ball into the ground It went backwards and it was a fumble. And he had a few other interceptable passes and there was an extremely slow start in the first half for the second straight week. So what's true about Jimmy Garoppolo is there's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of bad. Right. So he's polarizing. And I think people want to look at one side of it and say, well, look at this. He, we can win with him. Look at his record. Look at his game winning drive. Look at him coming back. But then there's also the bad. And so you can you can frame your opinion based on Jimmy Garoppolo based on, you know, like you can you can focus on certain things and say this is why Jimmy Garoppolo is good or this is why he's bad. The thing is, is it's not always good. And that's the difference between the elite quarterbacks mm-hmm. and the mediocre ones, right? All NFL quarterbacks can have good series and, and throw touchdown passes. It's the guys that consistently do it more than others and don't make mistakes. And Jimmy Garoppolo is just not one of those guys. And so that's the issue, right? And, and what's the tolerance for, for that? It sounds like Kyle Shanahan is not, does not believe Trey Lance is ready. Right. And so and, and it was really Shanahan was really um, agitated, I guess, on Wednesday about the subject. Um, when I, I asked him a question, like it, it was pretty not innoc- like pretty inane. Like I, I said, what do you need to see from Trey during the week of practice that helps you determine whether or not he's he has a significant role in the offense on Sundays? And he said, Trey's a backup quarterback. There's no quarterback battle. Um, You know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it, it was in stark contrast to what he said, you know, before the season started and after the preseason game, when it was very clear to or it seemed very clear to everybody covering the team and, and listening to Kyle Shanahan talk that this was going to be a Drew Brees, um, Taysom Hill situation where he'll plays what eight, 10 snaps a game right and like Jason Hill was
1: playing a lot more than that but right. he was also
4: lining up as like a running back and a tight end right right but not as a quarterback it was probably right. fewer than that but he right. was a featured part of the game plan and so it's a it's weird because Kyle Shanahan got very defensive about it and said well I essentially you know wanted to do that to throw the lines for a loop as they prepared for us week one Jimmy's clearly our starting quarterback Trey's the backup et cetera. Et cetera. and I think he doesn't like he doesn't like the he doesn't like people second guessing him and telling him uh, how to run his offense, which is fair. Kyle Shanahan knows way more about football than any of us. Right. Sure. But that's a question worth asking is like, Oh, hey, absolutely. That's why it was,
1: was so weird. Right. You, he said Trey is going to play for us this year. Right. And through three games, he's played seven snaps. And, and so, and none in
4: week two. So. And, and he's played in really, like, in key situations, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you absolutely had to have a touchdown there at the end of the second quarter against Green Bay, and you put him in. You didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo in. That was the bit – we talked about it
1: earlier this week. That was the biggest snap of the year to that point.
4: Yeah. And so, it's just, like, Kyle Shanahan – so, I I did have this thought, because I I just thought it was really weird how defensive Shanahan was about it Wednesday. And maybe he's he's agitated because, you know, I mean, they lost – and he doesn't like the media second guessing him um, and everything like that. But it was it also reminded me of sort of how agitated he was in the press conference before the draft when everybody was grilling him about Mac Jones. Oh, yeah. And he was getting defensive about that. And I was like, well, is he doing all this as a way to throw more misdirection potentially at the Seahawks? And Trey Lance is going to get more playing time on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I had that thought. And I, you know, I guess we'll see because. I think it's clear now based on what Kyle Shanahan said Wednesday and saying, um, you know, that was the preseason. I'm not going to rotate quarterbacks during the regular season. We have a starter, we have a backup, et cetera, et cetera. Like, is that misdirection? Right? Like, I think that's a fair question. And we will not know the answer until Sunday. I'm guessing that, that this situation with Lance is going to be kind of the status quo for a little while until Jimmy is not the guy who's leading Go ahead drives late in the fourth quarter, right? Like I think that mm-hmm. that drive really helped Jimmy Garoppolo and gave him a little bit more equity and, and a longer leash totally. in terms of potentially getting replaced by Trey Lance. But and that's that's the thing is like I said, the highs are really high. There were some dimes on that drive. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, and I thought Steve Young. So I listened to Steve Young on KMBR. I know it's, that's not the station you work that's for, and so I'm sorry funny. for shouting it out. But You're I was listening thing. to Steve Young on KMBR last night. I did. it And he said something that was really fascinating to me. He said, basically, um, everybody thinks Kyle Shanahan wants to run a play action, run heavy scheme. And that Kyle Shanahan thinks that's the best way to succeed. And Steve Young's point was, that's not true. Kyle Shanahan runs that scheme because that's the best way to, to win with Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. in that you need a, good running game, a lot of play action, get him open looks. And that really like any, and Steve Young said, if, if he got Tom, like if Tom Brady came to the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan wouldn't have any problem passing it 50 times a game. Right. And building out an offense that way, that looks, you know, everything in shotgun, three, four wide receivers everywhere. Adapting to the personnel, adapting to the personnel. And so. That really, because I had been under the assumption you know, and I'm I'm assuming Steve Young is right here because he knows Kyle's dad, Mike Shanahan, sure. pre- pretty well. They achieved some and, things together, and Steve Young isn't the guy who's going to just go spell right. off, right? So it really made me think. And then you know, you look at the way Jimmy Garoppolo's use, right? Like, I pulled up the, the advanced passing numbers on Pro Football Reference, and they track mm-hmm. advanced passing numbers now, not just regular ones, right? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of average depth of target is 37th in the NFL among players that have thrown passes. And if you take out the receivers and a couple of the backup quarterbacks that have thrown, he's like 33rd. He's averaging 5.7 air yards a target Um, intended air yards per pass attempt. There's 32 starting
1: quarterbacks, by the way. What's that? I said there's 32 starting quarterbacks, by
4: the way. Right. So like, other quarterback, like Justin Fields is on this list. Davis Mills right, is on this right, list, right. like that, those type of guys. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo has never been somebody who's completed a high rate of passes deep down field,
1: mm-hmm. right?
4: Like, so there are elements of this offense that are completely lacking.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And it's very clear now, if you believe what Steve Young says, that Jimmy Garoppolo's success is, is very much dependent on that scheme and being a being able to run the ball and being able to get guys open with play action. And it's, if you're not able to run the ball, which the 49ers aren't right now, then that's going to make things much more difficult for the Mm -hmm. offense. And that's, what's limiting about Jimmy Garoppolo. Well,
1: okay. Okay. Right. But to that point, that's not going to be enough. The 49ers knew that about him. And that point continuing to be driven home is not, going
4: to make them make a switch this year. Well, it's... It's it, why they traded three
1: first-round picks to make Trey Lance the guy moving forward in what, 2022 and beyond.
4: What's going to get Jimmy Garoppolo to the bench is dependent on how ready Trey Lance is. So that's the thing we don't know. It, well, like, in, in how my opinion, how if I'm reading this going to find that
1: out? What's that? If he's only running scout team, how are they going to find that out?
4: That's a great question. That's why... Thank you. <laughs> that's why, like... You can make the case like, you know, the 49ers quarterback situation is great. They have a veteran who's won in Jimmy Garoppolo and he can, he can give over the keys to Trey Lance whenever Trey Lance is ready. The other side of that argument for a team trying to win right now, that's struggling to run the ball. You might be in purgatory right now because if you, if Jimmy Garoppolo is reliant on the running game and the offense is as limited as it is, without a running game, just in terms of how explosive it can be and a lack of, you know, pushing the ball downfield, and Jimmy Garoppolo only throwing short passes. If you don't have a starting quarterback that can help you win games against the, the the elite teams in the NFC, like the Packers and Trey Lance is not ready, then you're in purgatory at the moment, right? And, mm-hmm. and th- this is going to change because Trey Lance eventually is going to be ready. And maybe Jimmy Garoppolo can be the better teams in the NFC, but if we come out of Sunday and Jimmy Garoppolo has another really uneven performance and makes some crucial mistakes that leads to them losing, then it's really hard to be optimistic about the 49ers' chances to com- to contend this season because Garoppolo is not good enough and Trey Lance isn't ready enough, mm-hmm. irrespective of whatever issues they have defensively in their secondary and all of that.
1: Well, and that's so that's that's why
4: this this Seahawks game is so interesting, because if Jimmy Garoppolo plays well and the 49ers beat Russell Wilson and a division foe and they, you know, can go to Arizona and potentially win that game, then you feel a hell of a lot better about Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you don't and we're at a point where Trey Lance isn't ready and Kyle Shanahan is not willing to to play him more, which is what seems like is the case, then you're like, all right, this might be just an average team in 2021 yeah. until Trey Lance can figure it out.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that's why going into this year, it was like, this year is not what matters. One, once you've unloaded three first round picks and a third round pick to draft a quarterback that you've decided is going to sit this year. Like this year stops mattering and not, not, not that it doesn't, doesn't matter because if that was the case, it would have just traded Jimmy Garoppolo and signed Brian Hoyer or something. Right. But if Garoppolo is just going to be average and they're going to win nine games and miss the playoffs, but it means that Trey Lance is not having his growth stunted, if that's what they think, then they'll take it. Like that. they just can Garoppolo get him through 17 games without being a disaster. And I think he will. Like he's not, he's not as bad as he was in the first half against the Eagles and most of the first half against the the Packers like he's not that bad consistently but he's also again to this point and the reason Trey Lance is in the building is he's not as good consistently as he was in the last drive against the Packers or in those 90 plus yard drives against the Eagles yeah so I just I don't I think it would take a long bout of bad play from Jimmy Garoppolo to get Trey Lance in as the starter as the starter because not just playing more I think he should play more now but as the starter and i don't think Garoppolo's bad enough to to have that prolonged period of bad play.
4: Yeah, the he's just the, not, he's not a full quarterback. It's going to be like what's Kyle what what's Kyle Shanahan's tolerance, right? Yeah, like can he can he tolerate having a eight or nine win team with Jimmy Garoppolo and is keeping Trey Lance out of the fire and not destroying his confidence, which i don't think would happen by the way, but i think mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan would think If you throw Trey Lance in there before he's ready, which is essentially what he said Wednesday, then that could be detrimental to Trey Lance and the entire team. Right. So what's the tolerance is, is he willing to go through a eight, nine, 10 win season where you're not really contending, but you're a middling NFC team or would he take a big swing and say, well, Trey might not be ready, but we can run this version of the offense and potentially raise the ceiling on everything. Mm -hmm. right like what's that tolerance going to be for Kyle Shanahan and that's that's ultimately going to be the question that defines the season particularly if the 49ers don't win on Sunday like these next two games against Seattle and Arizona Mm -hmm. are massive for figuring Mm -hmm. out what the season is going to look like because you after losing to Green Bay like if you want to win the division like I think you need to win the next two absolutely absolutely yeah,
1: they, they, I, I said going into this three-game stretch, they can go two and one, and the one they can afford to lose is Green Bay. But they yeah. can't go one and two in that three-game stretch, especially with the way the Rams look right now because the Rams look incredible. Yeah. Last thing on this. With, so when you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, some of the pushback is, well, the run game's bad right now. And that's kind of the whole thing. is like With Garoppolo, everything needed to be perfect. And that's just atypical of an NFL season. For right. your you defense don't... to be awesome, for your run game to be awesome, like it, that's hard to do year in and year out.
4: That's not a conversation we have about Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Correct,
1: right? And that's that's the whole point. Is <laughs> is if the Chiefs had their top two running backs go down, they would go all right. Like, well, we're going four wide, and
4: well, guess we got to pass. Let it rip. Yes, yeah. we got to pass fifty-five times now instead of forty-five.
1: <laughs> a, great, a great quarterback <laughs> overcomes the roster shortcomings that you have
4: which is what Kyle Shanahan wants. His whole right. thing is finding Correct. a top 5 quarterback. Right. So that's the context of this.
1: And so with with Trey Lance and, and and with the run game specifically, I think part of the reason we haven't seen more Lance is because their run game especially with Elijah Mitchell out just isn't effective enough for him to be to to threaten teams. Like Raheem Mostert for example, you notice he came in and two snaps with Raheem Mostert healthy. Yeah. Um, when when he's in, or I guess it was Elijah Mitchell in the second. One. Doesn't matter. But if the run game's going, I think they're more comfortable putting him in because now it's an added wrinkle to a run game that's working. It's not a desperate like shit nothing's working here put in number five and see if something happens
4: yeah i I agree with that
1: with trey sermon popping off at three yards a carry they weren't going to put lance in there because the green bay is not scared of trey sermon they're gonna go all right yeah give give him the ball we're gonna focus on stopping lance right so i think if if elijah mitchell comes back this week and is as good early on as he was against the lions i do think we see more lance and i think that's the case moving forward whether it's with Elijah Mitchell or Trey Sermon figures it out, or when Jeff Wilson Jr. is back and healthy, I think his playing time is going to be dependent a lot on how the run game's working.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing Kyle Shanahan said and sounded pretty defensive about, because he was asked, but he was asked about, you know, why is, why is the passing game and Jimmy Garoppolo in particular, not been very good in the first quarter of games. And Shanahan's answer was, well, the entire offense wasn't good in those, in those scenarios. Yeah which sure that's true, but like Daniel Brunskill wasn't missing wide open receivers in Philadelphia, <laughs> <Good point. laughs> you know, like that's, that's kind of on Jimmy. Um, Although you don't know that he wouldn't. So. Right. I, you're right. I don't Are you that. advocating for Daniel Brunskill to be the starting quarterback? First? I'm not, not advocating for it, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I think there's an element of like, the offense kind of like Kyle Shanahan would would feel a lot more comfortable inserting Trey Lance if the offense as a whole was playing well
1: yeah which and I speaks
4: think, to what you're saying about the running game
1: and I think I think too like the buzz at Levi's Stadium I know there are people listening who are there and I know they feel it and if you weren't like trust me the buzz when Trey Lance came in was different oh yeah people are excited for him and when that place exploded when he got the corner and scored the touchdown and got inside the pylon. And then when he did the play action boot to the right, there was this collective like inhale and then breath holding when he rolled out. And it's so hard because I get that excitement. And if you're a 49ers fan, you want that every snap and I get it, but take the, take this the right way, please watch what Justin Fields did against the Browns. And I'm not saying that that would happen with Trey Lance. Like that, the 49ers would be put Lance in a much better position to succeed than the, than the bears did with, with the Brown or with, with Fields. But to that point, it's like not every play is going to be electric and there are going to be some mistakes. And I think that it's hard to separate the excitement of those two snaps on Sunday night versus like, yeah, there's gonna be also be some really low lows. And the 49ers are trying to just minimize those lows once he becomes a starter.
4: Yeah. And and but on, on the other side of it, like the case for starting Lance is is what the highs could be. Right. Sure. Because we mentioned yeah. like like Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan doesn't call a bunch of downfield passes because he doesn't believe Jimmy Garoppolo is capable. Right. Yeah. So like Trey Lance is and we've you know, we saw it in training camp. We saw signs of it in the preseason like Trey Lance can open it up and start to take the top off the, the, the defense. And I wonder if there's an element of, all right, Trey Lance is connecting on some deep passes to people. And the 49ers are being much more aggressive in terms of the way they push the ball downfield. Is that going to lighten the box and allow them to get the running game going? So because that that's the big thing, right? Like defenses are packing the line of scrimmage. Because they're not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo pushing the ball downfield. Like, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I'm not blaming him for the running game woes because they're injured and I don't think they're blocking right. particularly well. But it would help a lot if Jimmy Garoppolo could consistently hit plays deep downfield.
1: Or 15 yards at least. Like Yeah, something.
4: and like he can yeah. do that. But just in terms of the raw numbers and what the rate is it's of the him consistency. doing that. It's low. It's it's inconsistent. It's why Jimmy Garoppolo is confounding,
1: right? I do I do think Neil coulong who we had on the pod Wednesday, uh, that came out Thursday, I do think he said something interesting though about how North Dakota State didn't have Lance pass a lot, and like in a championship game against the second ranked defense in the nation, had him run it like thirty times, and that's actually where I think maybe the hangup is is they're not super confident in his ability to because that's shanahan always said sure if you can run that's great but what happens when you have to drop back and pass and pick a defense apart that's where i'm guessing the concern is with lance i think they know that they'll get yards on the ground but in a third and 10 are they confident that he can go four wide in a shotgun and find the right guy that's where i think the hangout might be
4: anyway it's just weird like it's weird it's very odd that it's just weird. All of this stuff aside. I had high expectations for the offense, even with Jimmy Garoppolo coming into the season. Same. Right. In 2019, they were the second highest scoring offense in the league. Mm-hmm. It's not like they had like a middling offense. It was like a very good dynamic offense. Mm-hmm. And I get you lose Raheem Mostert, but like the fact they can't run the ball like they have. And I, we already talked about this, but the offense is not functioning all that. Well, is weird. a little bit alarming to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the fact that these guys didn't play a whole lot in the preseason. Maybe there's a little bit of quarterback weirdness going on. Like, but I, I was, I expected this team to at least hit the ground running in terms of just being able to function at a pretty high level offensively and not mm-hmm. having these just horrendous starts to, to these games. Um. So it, that that part of it is is a little bit alarming, and maybe and maybe they uh, maybe they figure it out. Let's let's yeah. get to this draft though, and then uh, and I will that's be. Out of here.
1: If they can't move the ball against the Seahawks, this conversation becomes very different. Yeah, I think that's when I'll dust off the panic button because that would be disastrous. All right, draft time.
4: You go first this week.
1: We need to figure out a name for this segment. Okay, but. How it works is Chris and I go through and we each draft a player or three players that we think are going to have a good game for the 49ers in their upcoming game this week. It's the Seahawks at Levi stadium. And I'm starting with George Kittle is going to be my first pick of the 49ers 11 touchdowns that have been scored by 11 different players. George Kittle is not one of them. I don't think the Seahawks have the personnel to cover him. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo in an attempt to kind of get in a rhythm is going to look for Kittle. We saw him look for Kittle on that deep ball The Jair Alexander made a really nice play on an intercepted. I think they're going to try and keep feeding number 85. And I think he gets in the end zone this week and has a nice game. So Kittle's my first pick.
4: Good pick Seahawks defense. Not great. Um, as discussed with Danny Kelly. Hmm. I'll go with Debo Samuel. Cause I, I think, I think he's better than their cornerbacks and I think he could score I think the running game is probably going to be a little bit better. Um, And if like Elijah Mitchell gets going, then like having Debo Samuel involved in the running game could be more effective as Mm -hmm. as opposed to not having any running game and then trying Debo Samuel in the running game. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like you can, anyway, you can work Debo off the other stuff. Um, So I'm going to go with Debo. I think he's, I I think he's really good. I think he's, I've been impressed with, the steps that he's taken as a route runner, Jimmy Garoppolo talking about him being like a leader in the receiver room was not a development I expected this season. So, um, but Debo wide receiver one until, until we see otherwise from Brandon, Ayuk. but I, I think Debo is one of their best players right now in offense.
1: Yeah. And the Seahawks just don't have anybody that could cover him.
4: Not like, Jamal he's, Adams.
1: He's, no, I don't think Jamal Adams is going to do it. More um, <laughs> material. De- Debos just, he's, he's, the catch, the third down catch he made on the last drive against Green Bay was unbelievable. Like that Agreed. is a catch that like two other receivers in the league make. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm big on Debo Samuel. That's a good pick. Third pick, I'm going with Fred Warner. And I think a player like Fred Warner is super important against a quarterback like Russell Wilson, because Wilson puts... Linebackers in really tough spots when he gets outside the pocket. And that's where Warner is going to need to. A, I think the fact that he can use his speed to get horizontal and maybe cut down on some of those runs by Russell Wilson, but also to get into the backfield quickly when he does escape to force him to make a throw and force him to make a decision so he can't just set his feet and air one out for DK Metcalf or. Uh, Tyler Lockett. If he plays, he didn't practice on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. So uh, remains to be seen whether, whether Lockett plays, but I think Fred Warner is the kind of player that can really, really have a positive impact against a player like Wilson, whether it's as a pass rusher or, um, in coverage where Wilson scrambles, he tries to find, you know, Chris Carson on a check down or whoever it is and Warner being there in coverage. So I, I think that, that Warner has a good game. Um okay. And we I'm, haven't had a like holy crap Fred Warner game yet. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and he's he's going to play with his hair on fire after I I think he was pretty upset about how that that last series went and the fact he didn't get enough enough depth on that long completion Adams that set up the game winner. Um I'm going to go with Jimmy Ward. Ooh. Okay. As you know, we are the founders of, of Jimmy Ward Island. We discovered yeah. it. We planted yep. the flag.
1: Lots more people here now. The population is growing every day.
4: It is growing. Um, Welcome
1: to those of you here.
4: Russell Wilson takes a lot of deep shots. And I think there are going to be opportunities to, to make plays on some of those deep balls. And I think yep. Jimmy Ward is probably the guy in the secondary that's most capable of making those plays. Um, Tyler Lockett, as you mentioned, not practicing Thursday with a hip injury is notable. Uh, or third, did I say Wednesday, Thursday? Um, limited
1: Thursday out Wednesday. Uh, no, limited obviously. Wednesday out Thursday,
4: which is weird. You usually does not it doesn't progress like that. That's not a good sign. Usually it's right. the other way around. Um, so I think Jimmy Ward has potential to, you know, if he causes a turnover, makes an interception, I, I think, um, I, I think that's all a possibility. That's why I'm drafting him fourth. Um, and I also there was a miscommunication on, on the last play to Devontae Adams, not the not the Warner play, but the one after that where Jimmy Ward's like kind of running all over the place and they didn't line up correctly. And the 49ers somehow ended up with D'Amador, Lenore and Talanoa Hufanga on the same side of the field as Devontae Adams. No, not great. Tough. Um, bad time Welcome to, to the, the NFL, players. guys. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if Ward screwed up or if somebody else screwed up. Um, but there was a screw up on that play. So I just think everything from involving Ward is gonna be airtight this week. Because they're gonna they're they're gonna work hard to correct that stuff. And if not, I mean it's fair, it's fair to point out like the last drive was not a good look for D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. New defense. Learning player.
1: learning moment for sure. Yeah. For the new DC.
4: Yeah. Um, so Jimmy Ward's my pick fourth overall.
1: That's a good selection. I like that. I predicted before the season that Jimmy Ward would get his first interception since 2016.
4: So I'm gonna I predict hope... a Jimmy Ward pick. I'm doing oh, it. Oh nice. I
1: love I'm not that. a big
4: predictions guy, but I'm predicting an INT for Jimmy Ward.
1: Yeah, going all in. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to go with and this is a this is a hot take because I'm not even certain he's gonna play, but I'm going with Elijah Mitchell.
4: Wow. You're just, you're just leaving a big name on the board, but I'm fine with it.
1: No, it's fine. And again, part of this exercise is talking about players. Right. So, I want to win. Them. Okay. But I want to talk about Elijah Mitchell because and also, there's a big name on the board that I took last week, I think. Or we've taken every week and I'm just kind of tired talking. About it. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are you going to do, you know? Sure. Uh, what are you going to do, you know? Bar Mitzvahs. Um, the other guys, great scene. Anyways, I think Mitchell's going to play this week. And I think that they miss a player like him in their run game a yes. lot. And yes. his ability to get to the edge, the way he did against Alliance. he gets the edge, gets his foot in the ground, gets north to south. And then he has the speed to pull away from defenders. I don't think Trey Sermon has that. Michael Hasty might have it a little bit, but he's he's been out. There is just an element that he brings that's like Walmart brand Raheem Mostert and off brand Raheem Mostert.
4: Kirkland <laughs> Raheem Mostert.
1: Kirk, Kirkland. Hey, hey, I will not. Kirkland Raheem Mostert is just Raheem Mostert,
4: right? Oh, wow.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> Coach, I'll hit me with anything Kirkland brand and I'm in there.
4: Oh, okay. You're in. All right. Yeah, I thought that I'm was, I about- thought that was a, a some, some no Oster no shade.
1: no i will okay. if you give me a choice between name brand and kirkland brand i'm going
4: kirkland every time okay. Kirkland golf balls are you kidding me you get they two, spent they spent a lot but that's fine
1: you get two dozen golf balls for dude i'm not good enough to know what the difference is i can get two dozen for like eight bucks like yeah i'm there yeah. that's two rounds of golf for me
4: D- depends so, on your swing speed but yeah <laughs> they're they're fine <laughs> <laughs> My swing speed's bad so <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just I, I think I think that having Elijah Mitchell is going to do wonders for their run game. I think he's going to get plenty of touches. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see one of those big runs where he gets the corner and and yeah. takes off down the sideline for for a lot of yards. So I think Elijah Mitchell could be a difference maker for the 49ers and their offense and in their run game. So I'm picking him fifth.
4: Yeah. And I think that's fair against the Seahawks defense that is not particularly good right now. Um, all right. Well, I guess I have to do it since he's on the board at six. Um, I'm taking Nick Bosa. Yeah. Um, because I don't think the Seahawks offensive line is very good. I know Russell Wilson's extremely elusive. Um, Nick Bosa spent today, Thursday, talking with reporters about how he didn't like the way he reacted to getting all to getting chipped. And he was like, you know, he would get chipped and then feel sorry for himself at be- because he wasn't really able to contribute to the play and he needed to continue his pass rush um, and just sort of have a different mindset about all of it, which means Nick Bosa is going to play really hard on Sunday and Nick Bosa always plays hard. So, like, a motivated Nick Bosa is probably going to play well. You And so. honestly, like, we talk about Nick Bosa getting chipped. You know where it's really hard to chip somebody? is like inside if you're playing over oh. like guards and centers i wonder if there's going to be more nick bosa on the inside Interesting. because i think he could be i mean he's an excellent pass rusher on the outside but i think he could be just as excellent a weapon on the inside mm-hmm. um and i think the interior of the seahawks offensive line is their weakest point point. and so you know he might deal with double teams and stuff like that but you could run games and stunts and whatever Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to chip him in there. So I, I wonder if Nick Bosa is going to be used on the inside. And if he is, um, you know, then then I think that could be really interesting. But then it it puts pressure on the outside guys to keep Russell Wilson in right. contain, right, to contain him. So right. that'll be interesting. But I'm going to take Bosa um, because he's Nick Bosa. He's really good. And the Seahawks offensive line isn't.
1: I like it. Hard-hitting analysis, sir. I wonder. So, two things on that. One, I wonder if we see more of the D Ford Nick Bosa lined up on the same side. Yeah, I like it. I like the idea of maybe kicking him inside, but also, all right, you're going to chip him, but you also have to worry about D Ford on that on that right. same side. Uh, Eric Armstead's another player I'm going to keep an eye on yep. because DeForest Buckner. Not saying Eric Armstead's good as Buckner, but DeForest Buckner, I feel like, like, always had a lot of success with Russell Wilson because he was able to get through on the inside and get to him before he could get outside the pocket. And if Eric Armstead can have a dominant game on the interior where they're collapsing the pocket from the inside and not letting Wilson kind of get out, uh, that's that's where you can have, I think, a lot of success against this offense. And if Eric Armstead can have a big day, he's had a really good start to the year, it would, uh, it would go a long way toward helping the pass rush that struggled a little bit last week.
4: I agree. Armstead's good. I think he's playing his best football right now. Yeah, I do too. Um, Before we go, I have a question for you. The Super Bowl halftime show with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mm. Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige. Is that everybody? Um, Uh, Did you say Snoop? Snoop Dogg, yeah. Uh, What song are they going to open with? Ooh.
1: Um, still dry. Yeah,
4: me too.
0: Like
1: the like. It's dark, and then you hear those keys come in, yeah. and that would be electric.
4: Like it's in it's in Inglewood. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's. That, or that has to be it.
1: Did they do California Love?
4: Do you like end with California Love, or do you like make it the apex of it?
1: Uh, maybe I yeah. think
4: you might go apex California Love, like in the middle of it. Do we get the Tupac hologram? Great question. God, it's, I, I I, it's possible. It's definitely possible. This is not. This is not snowflake in my in what, uh, Miami. This what's is, what, it's not the dolphin? <laughs> what, what's funny is what's funny is
1: um, whenever the halftime show gets announced, it's Katy Perry or right. Yellow Card or whatever. Yeah,
4: people Yellow and, Card.
1: Yeah. Okay. Not yellow card. Uh, Coldplay. <laughs> All right. Didn't Coldplay That's, have a song called <laughs> Yellow? They did. They definitely did. So, but there's like, oh, okay. There's gonna be three songs that I would be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like three, three to four songs where. Right. When this lineup, I'm like, you could build a fifty-song playlist that would just be bangers the whole way through. Oh yeah. Like, give me a four-hour halftime show.
4: <laughs> like, what songs Kendrick Kendrick Lamar gonna do? Probably humble and DNA
1: be I mean, dna if he's a real one he'll
4: do backseat freestyle <laughs> yeah um <laughs> kenzo gamar doing bitch don't kill my vibe at halftime of the Super oh, Bowl that be would wild. be unbelievable <laughs> um yeah anyway i wanted to throw that in there because i i'm very excited for this halftime show i think this is going to be incredible
1: i, I do too it, i mean it, I, it,
4: I i'm with you i think i think it's it's going to be dark it's going to be welcome to the pepsi halftime show and it's going to be all dark and you're going to see everybody on the crowd yeah. and then you're gonna hear you're gonna hear the keyboard uh-huh. and then you're gonna hear the beat drop and all that like it's that song i, that I song just got was, chills by the way yeah <laughs> yeah that song that song's really good and by the way i don't know if any if, if people know this but jay-z wrote that song he did my guy (laughs) my guy jay-z never mind i'm out on that song yeah i know you are (laughs) look up look up snoop dogg talking about how jay-z helped him write that song we have a running Um, bit that i don't like jay-z i like jay-z fine i'm just not like jay-z's my jay-z's my favorite artist for those who who aren't aware which is you know fine but (laughs) kyle likes to give me grief by just saying god this jay-z song sucks and i'm like
1: (laughs) <laughs> it'll be fine like it's a song i like
4: and i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh man kyle knows how to get renegade is things. an eminem song i'm just saying uh i i don't disagree with that oh okay good <laughs> man eminem doing renegade would be crazy i don't think he will though
1: that would be he's gonna Being be the a scatterbrained
4: or... atheist on the uh, on, on super bowl <laughs> stage that would be that would be wild um it's something different for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's get out of here on that um Looking forward to the game Sunday. It's going to be really, really interesting. I think we learned a lot about the 49ers against the Packers, probably more than we did over the first two weeks of the season, I would say. And Mm -hmm. uh, this one, this one's going to be really telling because the Seahawks are kind of a a measuring stick. So, Yeah, there's Um, two
1: camps right now with the 49ers. There's this, they're fine. They're two and one. Garoppolo brought them back. Everything's hunky-dory. They're just going to figure it out. And yep. this like, yeah, hey, dust off the panic button. This could go off the rails. And this week feels like we're going to find out which side of the of the track that's on.
4: And by the way, not to be like revisionist history guy, but like all this quarterback drama and all this uncertainty and all this weirdness, this is why this is part of the reason why I argued for just starting Trey Lance from the jump. Just saying.
1: Yeah, but maybe they'd be one and two.
4: <laughs> maybe, but who knows? Maybe anyway. he'd
1: be Justin Fieldsing right now.
4: Eh. Get, the Niners have, have a roster the totally Bears yards. have a collection I know. of, I bet. The of right. players in, in pads. It was just every
1: time Trey Lance starting came up, somebody on the 95 7 in the game text line would be like, Yeah, you want go watch Justin Fields, see how that worked out. Yeah, because Kyle Shanahan and Matt Nagy are the same guy.
4: Yeah, I don't think that's a good argument. I did. That
1: was a disaster.
4: Yeah. Like, how much How much money are, are those guys paying their tight ends? Yeah, right. And they're left tackles. And don't sleep on Cole Komet. And what receivers do those guys do? do those guys have yes. aside from Allen Robinson? Anyway,
1: uh, Darnell Mooney, obviously.
4: Oh right, obviously. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, gonna go. I'm gonna listen to Taylor Gabriel. Dre. <laughs> I'm gonna go listen to Still Dre.
1: Yeah, and, do that. Uh, uh, I think I think the 49ers are gonna win.
4: Okay, I mean I honestly I have no idea. I have no feel for this one because the Seahawks are going to be desperate. mm -hmm. I think that their defense is probably going to play better. And Pete Carroll usually has a really good plan against Kyle Shanahan. I think the Niners offense is going
1: to be better too. though.
4: Yeah. We'll We'll see. If they can, if Elijah Mitchell plays and they can run the ball and Trey Sermon plays better, Mike McDaniel talked today on Thursday about Trey Sermon, like looking like a different guy at practice. And we've heard that before, but. If that's true and Trey Sermon's way more comfortable and they do actually have two capable running backs, that could be a very big development for the outcome of the game. It'd be huge. We'll see. All right. And maybe Jimmy Garoppolo won't throw backwards passes. That he thinks. All right. Yeah, it's got to get that out of the playbook for sure. (laughs) Subscribe, rate, and review. Do all three. Um, And we'll see you guys next week. Bye!